I've been feeling a bit nostalgic as of late, thinking back on my growing up time as a young boy, particularly in my relationship with my father. I have many good memories with him, but one in particular has been occupying my mind recently. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley. Grateful that you're joining in for this hour of spiritual direction, seeking to grow closer to the Lord each day. My earthly father is now in his 90s, and knowing that his birthday into eternal life is drawing near, I've been reflecting a lot on my relationship with him over the years. I recently stumbled upon a memory that I hadn't thought about in quite a while, and it's been pervading my thoughts today. When I was very young, probably four or five years old, my dad would come home from work, change clothes, and seek a few moments of solace by lying on the couch and reading the daily newspaper. And not infrequently, I would come in and crawl up on him, quietly lying on top of him as he continued paging through the local news. And for me, those times were times of bonding, times of safety and security, times of peace. It seemed like nothing else mattered except for that moment. In fact, it was so serene that even to this day, the sound of someone leafing through the pages of a newspaper immediately brings on a quiet drowsiness in me. Of course, my dad and I haven't always seen eye to eye, and we've had some struggles in our relationship. And sadly, though, many people have experienced a very broken relationship with their earthly fathers. I'm grateful for the relationship that I had and continue to have with my dad. I have no doubt it's helped reveal the fatherhood of God to me as well. But whatever your relationship with your earthly father has been like, today we're focusing in on your relationship with your heavenly father. What does the fatherhood of God actually mean? And how does it play out in your life? How is God an Abba to you? Helping us explore these important things is our spiritual director for today, Father Craig DeYoung. Father Craig is a priest for the Diocese of Austin, Texas, where he serves as the pastor of St. Louis, King of France. And hello, Father. Well, I got to ask you, Father, I'm, before we even get started here, I am familiar with a St. Louis, King of France in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, but I never asked you if it's St. Louis or St. Louis for your there in Austin. Well, it is uh, somewhat debated you know, by uh, not our parishioners. Most people call it St. Louis, King of France, but any visitors who come, I hear St. Louis as often as I hear St. Louis. So, okay. Um, I think if you're a French speaker, you'd call it St. Louis, but uh, you know, in English, uh, we typically call it Louis. St. <laughs> Louis it is then, because my, my French is non-existent. Uh, very good. Well, it's good to have you back on the program, Father. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, it's been a wonderful morning and, uh, you know, Texas, it's a little cold front coming through only in the nineties somewhere instead of over a hundred today. So (laughs) cold front. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Wow. Well, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have you, we'll have you up here in Wisconsin some January and we'll teach you about cold fronts. Anyway, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here on the show today as we're talking about the love of the father, the fatherhood of God. And, you know, there's many places we could begin. Um, let's just to pick one. And I want to explore many of these, but, uh, let's start with Jesus's baptism. Father, what do we learn about the fatherhood of God and Jesus's baptism? Well, you know, it's, um, it's, it's such an uh, important 
scripture for us that teaches us, you know, about the meaning of baptism. Um, but at the heart of it is the Father who has begotten the Son from all eternity. You know, he speaks those words to his Son. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Uh, it's like an affirmation of identity. It's an affirmation of his affection for his Son. Uh, we see in this moment uh, the loving heart of the Father. Uh, Jesus comes to reveal to us the love of the Father, the, the love of, of, of God uh, for us. And in this moment, we can sort of see that the Father um, is, you know, incredibly in love with his Son. And uh, just that affirmation of who his Son is before him. He's my Son. He's not only my Son, but he's my beloved Son. And sort of that double affirmation with whom I am well pleased sort of affirms, too, the way he is living his life in that moment. Um, so I think, you know, this teaches us that the Father is interested, that he um, is affirming in true identity. He holds affection for the beloved Son. Um, he is, um, you know, just uh, anointing. So he's equipping his Son to live out a good life as the Holy Spirit descends upon him as the Father's um, love and anointing. So there's uh, a sign that the Father gives himself to his Son and gives the Son um, sort of the power that he needs to live out his life uh, as the Son, as the beloved Son. And that there's an incredibly close connection. This is not the kind of Father who is sort of disinterested in what's happening with his Son. Uh, rather, he's intimately interested. He sees um, his Son doing the work that he has sent him to do and is incredibly pleased with him as he begins his public ministry. So there's a lot to learn about the Father in that particular passage. Yeah, just in those few words. Thank you for unpacking that some for us. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that, and you, you first drew in on that word beloved. is not just the son, it's a beloved son as well. And I can't help but think of the mass readings for yesterday, the Akira, the, the binding of Isaac. And this, is, this was God's instruction to Abraham too, right? Take your only son, the son, your beloved son. And uh, no coincidence, I'm thinking, that we see that word used both in that in that uh, history, that's narrative, and also the narrative of the Jesus's baptism. Right. Yeah, that event in the Old Testament is um, one of the the most key events in, in many ways because you you see sort of the way that Abraham has uh, grown in friendship with God, and he's sort of arrived at the point where his love and his trust in God uh, is so great that he's even willing to give the son of the promise that that Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise to to Abraham. Um, to be the father of many nations, he's even willing to sort of sacrifice um, sort of his deepest treasure, his most beloved son, um, for God the Father. And this is an incredible act of faith that foreshadows and points towards uh, what takes place with Christ on Golgotha. I I think there's some uh, consideration, the possibility that this event took place either in the same or, or very close location to where the events unfolded outside of Jerusalem on, on the hill of Golgotha. Um, and you can sort of uh, very intentionally see God's motive in this event, foreshadowing what's going to take place in hundreds of years when he does uh, provide the sacrifice, not only in the moment for Abraham to have a ram to sacrifice in place of his son, but he provides his only begotten son as a response or even um, uh, you know, to, to the faith of Abraham and to that friendship he has with him and to that uh, trust he has in the Father that he provides his only son as that sacrifice uh, that yeah. takes place uh, so far in the future. So, yeah, this incredible connection. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you see a belovedness of the Father there as well, and uh, many things to unpack there as we're talking about the love of God the Father and where what the role that plays in our lives as well as how we experience it, how we can move deeper, more deeply into the love of the Father here on The Inner Life today with our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung. If you have particular instances in your life, or when was a time that you connected with God the Father, that you understood at a deeper level the love of God as a Father in your life, if you have some testimony to give, we'd love to hear it. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife@relevantradio.com, and we'll try to get that on the air as well. Well, Father, another instance where we see an intimate moment between Jesus and his Heavenly Father is, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he's pouring out his, uh, well, what's going on in his human nature, in his human life that he's understanding. You know, Father, if if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. What would you say we learn about this, particularly in times of difficulty? What do we learn about the fatherhood of God? Well, you know, this event doesn't happen in isolation either. Um, There's, you know, the high priestly prayer of Christ that takes place before sort of um, the event of the agony in the garden. And, you know, he spoke very deeply with his disciples about everything he does, he's learned from the Father. Uh, He talks about, um, I'm going to my Father, and, um, you know, there's an objection, we do not know the way. Um, he says, we well, you know the way. Uh, and uh, someone says, well, just show us the Father. That's enough for us. And, you know, he says, um, you know, you, you do not, you've known me all this time, and you do not know the Father. Like, you know, there's this incredible intimacy. And that's what enables the agony in the garden, I believe, is that there's this intimacy with the Father. There's this absolute trust that he never is, is even though he's maybe tempted uh, because of his human nature, um, which is um, wounded through through the sins of others, um, to maybe believe a lie about God, he never does, because he has such an intimacy with the Father that in the moment where his passions um, and his desire to sort of um, see this chalice or this cup pass from him, um, it's not strong enough to outweigh his trust in the Father, whose will he has come to do, whose work he is about. And so... Um, you know, there's this sense that in the midst of the agony, in the midst of, of when we're sort of asked to uh, choose faithfulness in the face of, of any sort of temptation to be unfaithful to God, um, it is that uh, concrete faith in the Father who who uh, we've learned everything from, that we've been in that intimate place with, that uh, not my will, but your will be done. It's what enables us to uh, crush the head of the serpent, the head of, of temptation as it comes to us in those moments. And that's what we really see in Christ is that, you know, in his humanity he may have sort of a preference, but above all else is his trust in the Father. And he says, uh, but not what I desire, God the Father, right? But what right. you desire, thy will be done. Right. And just to clarify or to drill down on that a little bit too, Father, is that I, I think we can sometimes, or one might come away from that passage thinking that because of that, we can somehow envision that God the Father demands some sort of abject obedience that is somehow divorced from love. In fact, many of us, maybe in our relationship with our earthly fathers, saw our earthly fathers imposing rules. Sometimes it might seem kind of arbitrary rules on our lives. Um, Maybe even those who suffered abuse, God forbid, you know, at the hand of their earthly fathers, they think, well, yeah, a demanding father is exactly what uh, what I don't want out of God. But that, I don't believe, is what's going on between Jesus and his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, uh, I think, you know, often in our youth, um, 
in, in an ideal circumstance, you know, we may not know the mind of the father, right? We don't know why perhaps our fathers uh, are asking something of us, um, you know, that uh, it's sort of hidden from us. But as we mature and we get older, we begin to understand our, our fathers in sort of a new sort of way. And I would say Jesus has sort of expressed in his maturity, he's sort of reached his adulthood and he knows the mind of the father. He says, everything that the father has told me, I've now told you, right? Um, he, the mind of the father of why he's asking this of Jesus is not hidden from him. He knows what he is about. He knows uh, what the father's asking and why, that it's an act of love. And so it's not like um, God the father is asking of Jesus something he doesn't understand, um, rather, he, he understands it, and uh, he knows that his sort of humanity is, is sort of at odds with that. But he subjects sort of um, the passions or that desire to escape suffering, rather, to that one of obedience. And obedience, you know, the root of the word obedience is to listen. Um, you know, not, not just to hear, but to listen. Like when we listen to our parents and we listen to our, our fathers, we're listening for not only the, the behavior that they're asking of us, but for the, the why behind it. There's a sense of the, a good father does this out of love for his son, right? He does it out of love um, is why he asks uh, us to, to behave a certain way or to, sure. um, to, to, to sort of uh, keep some rule. Uh, a good father does. Um, and so I think this is the situation, this sort of this ideal uh, that Jesus is sort of living from, is that he knows the mind of the Father and he does it willingly because he's truly listened, and so that obedience is the fulfillment of love uh, for him. Now, what you've said about um, if our own circumstances have been such that our it's not ideal, if our fathers maybe haven't right. loved in that way or, or shared their their mind or their heart with us, and it doesn't seem to be an act of love but one of perhaps selfishness, um, that is a reality that we have to sort of reconcile to the truth about God. You know, ideally, you know, a father is the image of God for us. Uh, and sometimes people fail in that responsibility as fathers. And, um, you know, I think most people are not perfect in that. And so there is um, a certain sense of, of healing that has to take place to be able to encounter God in that way. And it is healing. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we can, we can talk a bit more about that. But what, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there, and, and I, I agree. And I, I guess what was going through my mind is that uh, there's, like you said, a loving father, of course, wants to do everything for the be- for the good, for the best, uh, for his son, for his daughter. And, and we should certainly expect that, that of God the Father as well, for his only beloved son, as we touched on as you were unpacking the baptism of the Lord for us, too. And I would think that there's, there is something that Jesus understands deeply, in his human and divine nature that um, actually in obedience is the greatest uh, is the greatest fulfillment is the greatest flourishing is the greatest happiness even if it does mean suffering in the short term and uh, yeah I'm I'm grateful that uh, we see this uh, given out to us in the scriptures and for your explanations of it too as well father uh, our our spiritual director today is father Craig DeYoung we're talking about the love of God the father and uh, how does that play out? Was there a particular time in your own life of faith that you sensed the love of God as Father in your life? Maybe you have a particular way that you like to meditate upon the Our Father, or in some of these uh, times that we have already been talking about, the baptism of Jesus, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Marge, who's calling in from Helena, Montana. Marge, welcome to the program. 
Hi, thank you for taking my call. So here's my question. Um, you know, in the Bible, it says uh, several places that God formed us and knew us in the womb. So my question is, did we know God before we were born? A wonderful question, Marge. Thank you. Um, I, I guess if you mean by no sort of an intellectual sort of uh, knowing, I would say perhaps not. That's something we, we come to know him. But in terms of our nature, um, there is sort of an innate knowledge of God. There's something that's inscribed upon the heart uh, about um, God the Father. We know that we did not create ourselves, for example, and so we are uh, created. Um, you know, I think that's something we would know about God. Uh, we would know, just like an infant might know, that they're cared for and loved and secure uh, by their parents' love. I think, you know, in some spiritual way, we might have a sense of, of God's care for us. Um, if uh, those, those human experiences um, are positive, that might give us sort of a, a natural uh, experience of God's closeness to us that we can build on as we come to know the Father. But it would be a lot like infancy in, in our childhood, I think, that, you know, a baby um, knows their parents, you know, uh, sort of at a, an infant level. They can maybe recognize the closeness, feel the warmth. They, they hunger for, their, for food from their mother. Um, they want to be held, uh, these sorts of things. Um, but they come to know their parents in a different way as they grow. And I think the same would be true of us coming to know God the Father uh, in that way as well. Mm. Very nice. Good question, Marge. Thank you for asking and good response too, Father. And and that's just the knowledge of God is something that um, it, well, I suppose any of the attributes of God, right, can never be separated from his essence of love, right? And I heard you tying that in as we're talking about the love of the Father, that there is something innate in our knowledge of God or ours uh, in the way that you put it and for as an infant might know the love and care of its parents, um, that, that's, uh, that that's something that ties it into love as well. Yeah, and you know, and it's fascinating too. Is you know, a lot of our knowledge of God is analogous, meaning it's like this, but it's not like that. Right. Um, you know, so when we we think about you know, if we've had a good experience with our parents, um, you know, and they've really tried their best to love us, uh, that analogy is, is is much sort of easier. But you still have to work out the things that are not like. Um, you know, not like God. So our parents loved us in this way, but it's not like it in X, Y, or Z, you know, that it's not limited. You know, um, God doesn't have to choose his time between work and being present to us, for example, um, and providing for us in this way. It's not like you have a trade-off with God, um, but it is like it in the fact that our father spends time with us and invests in us and wants to know us um, and is building us up and forming our, our identity and, and affirming us and who we are and giving us confidence to go go and face difficult things and you know, teaching us how to face those things. And, and so, you know, all the things we experience in our in our childhood can sort of help us to know God by analogy. But there's always there's always a dissimilarity. There's always something in it that's not quite like how God loves us because it's always more. It's always greater uh, in that way. Um, but also our subjective experience is important, too, because a child knows their parents to their sort of capacity, but they could also be mistaken about that. They might think that, oh, my father doesn't love me because he didn't do this particular thing, where in fact your father really does love you, but he's um, uh, either uh, not able to fulfill that desire in a particular way um, or that, uh, you know, he says, well, I'm not going to do that because I have a better gift for you, for example, or something more important for you to learn through this situation. Um, but then when we're older, we might know our father in a different way where we see that and we see that while his justice and he had these rules and we got in trouble and got grounded, for example, um, 
that really that was an act of love because it was teaching me how to be a, a better man or a better woman when I grow yeah. up and uh, to see consequences uh, for actions and things like that. Right. Very good. Our spiritual director again, Father Craig DeYoung from the parish of St. Louis, King of France in Austin, Texas. <laughs> and we are talking about the love of God the Father. How have you seen the love of God the Father, the fatherhood of God, active and present in your life. How do you experience that? Are there particular meditations that you have or the ways that in certain situations you've seen God caring for you as a father? Let us know. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break, but there's more to come with The Inner Life right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening to the show today as we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, about the love of God the Father. And Father, I just wanted to pick up on something that you just started getting into right before the break. Um, it, what, what you said about an a earthly father this is, maybe exercising some modicum of discipline on their children to, in order to teach them something. And uh, it brought to mind, of course, that verse from Hebrews chapter 12, uh, my son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when reproved by him for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Maybe, you know, it can be sometimes it can be hard to see discipline as an act of love, but particularly when it comes to God, any suggestions about how we can view that, how we understand God's discipline as love? Yes, I think so. I think, um, you know, the particular challenge is that we've experienced discipline that, that doesn't seem loving, that uh, those who've disciplined right. us through sort of uh, an anger or arbitrary sort of, of way, just get out of my way, I'm, I'm you know, you're, you're, you're bothering me or something like that. Right. Um, the, the key there is those whom he has loved, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a, the key is that ideal. So you have to kind of work out the things that are not true about God the Father. So he's not um, acting out of this place of just uh, pure anger. He's not sort of bothered by us. He's not sort of just arbitrarily deciding. Um, but at the heart of it is that he loves us. And so we have to think of what a, a good father would do, ideally. And, um, you know, that the word discipline means uh, to learn, right? To be a disciple means to be a learner of G of Jesus, right? And that mm -hmm. this discipline is is how we are taught. And so the Father, through His discipline, is teaching us um, how uh, to be uh, more uh, like Him, essentially, to become who we are created to be. And so to think about what is it that God the Father wants, ultimately, what He wants from our hearts is greater faith, right? That deeper relationship and intimacy with Him for, for us to, to trust His goodness and um, to, to experience His beauty and to live by His truth um, and to experience that goodness that He has for us. And he wants from us also hope that in our circumstances that we would place our trust in God and not in the things of the world or own power or ego. And he wants love, that we would will the good of the other, uh, even at a certain cost at times to ourselves, that would become more like him in that sacrificial love. And so if we keep in mind what the Father desires and the love that he has for us in the midst of any way that the Father might be correcting our behavior, our actions, um, we can 
then understand perhaps uh, why it is that he disciplines us and we can be grateful for that. And you may not be grateful in the moment, but reflect on upon it uh, later from the lessons learned, things that you were discipled in, uh, disciplined in, um, then we might be grateful and we can recognize that we've become a better person because of, of the way the Father has disciplined us. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully many of our listeners have had that positive experience of discipline that maybe, again, in the moment, it's not it doesn't seem fair or it's it's unpleasant, you know, that sort of thing. But over time and in hindsight, they can see the good fruit that it has borne in their lives. But since we have uh, nudged up against this a number of times, Father, I think it's time to talk about maybe a little more explicitly those who have not had uh, the best experience with their earthly fathers, maybe not a positive experience at all with their earthly fathers. How does that reflect on God the Father, their view of God the Father, perhaps, and what they might they do to embrace the perfect fatherhood of God? Right. So any sort of um, wounds that, that we carry, and we do all carry wounds, uh, typically can become the sort of festering place um, of the enemy, uh, that the enemy comes to those places of hurt, and he sort of uses um, uh, various lies as sort of a, a lever to, to try to separate us from God, right, and God the Father in this specific case. And he usually whispers things in our, our hearts and our minds that are lies. They say things like, well, God the Father doesn't love you. You know, he's far away. Um, he's punishing you. If God the Father really loved you, he would do this thing, that, or the other um, you know what, he's he's not even there, or he's completely indifferent to you, um, you know, or, or he doesn't want you to have happiness. Um, and we uh, sort of at times believe those lies about God, and, and also the result of that is we believe lies about ourselves, that we're not lovable, we're not good enough, that uh, we're broken or wounded, or we're not wanted. Um, all of those sorts of things become a festering ground um, that uh, sort of separate us from uh, that experience of God's love. And what we really want to do is to bring that place of trauma, that woundedness before God, and let him speak the truth through prayer, through scripture, through the sacraments, through the teachings of the church, through the community of the faithful, and, and seeing experiences of, of God's love and action through their lives to bear on the place of woundedness, to dispel those, those, those falsehoods, to renounce them, even in the name of Jesus, to, to sort of say, oh, I recognize I'm tempted to believe that lie in Jesus's name. I renounce that as not being true. I know it's not true. And instead, I accept the truth of who I am as revealed by Jesus from his sacred heart, that I am beloved of the Father, that I'm chosen, uh, that God is a good Father, that he's there with me. Um, and those sorts of um, bringing our traumas before that mystery and letting that mystery soak in is how we overcome those wounds. That's how we are healed. And specifically, I think the use of our imagination is key, uh, that we want to sort of take some of those scriptures and also some of the beautiful human experiences that we've witnessed or seen in other people's lives, if not our own, and pray with them to engage your senses, to imagine that you're there in that moment, to open your heart and ask God to show his love uh, through that scripture or through that image. And I have sort of two images I love to, to sort of pray with or give to others to pray with in spiritual okay. direction yeah. or penance and confession even. Sure. Um, right. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love to share those with you. So uh, one is um, many of us have the experience of holding a newborn child. And I think uh, when we do that, our hearts are incredibly moved with love. But especially if it's your child, and um, I've had the privilege of being with uh, some young couples who've had children and, and watching the dad, sort of the father, to hold their child for the first time. 
and they look at that kid and they just sort of say, that's my boy, that's my girl, right? They just love those, those children. And to sit there and sort of make that a holy hour for you, to pray with that and to recognize that God the Father looks on you with that kind of love um, is a great exercise. And to just sort of imagine God the Father holding you, looking on you, delighting in, on, in you as a child in that way um, can bring a, immense sort of healing and help connect sort of the, the affective emotion with the reality of God's love. Uh, the second is sometimes we think that God, when he is punishing or scolding, it's, it's, it's not very rational or reasonable. It's not common sense to think about what a good father does. And so I like to pray and think about a child who's maybe, maybe getting close to a year old who's about to learn how to walk and is holding on to things and holding on to sort of the, the, the chairs and takes their first steps. Mm. They take one step, then two steps, and then typically they sort of fall down. And um, sometimes, uh, uh, irrationally, we think that God, uh, as a father, comes to that place when we fall down and says, oh, that's, you're no good, you're shameful, you're bad, why did you fall? But we know that a good father doesn't do that. A good father comes over and picks the kid up, kisses the boo-boo, and says, that was amazing, that was incredible, you took three steps, try again. Mm. Wow. And so if we can sort of imagine, um, you know, uh, in our own weaknesses where we are learning to walk in faith and we fall, that God the Father comes over to us, and um, how, how does he really respond, as a good father would? Um, kissing the boo-boo, you know, forgiving our sins, right, through confession, um, picking us up, saying, try again, come to me, right? Um, let's, let's learn how to walk, right? And so that image as well has been a fruitful one in my own prayer life, just sort of realizing that God uh, truly desires my good, and, and he's less worried about my fall than is he is more worried about me learning how to walk in faith and hope and charity. Wow. Powerful words, powerful images, Father. Thank you for that. Our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, from the Diocese of Austin, Texas, as we're just sharing some images to use to understand God as a, as a loving Father, as a compassionate Father. And if you have ways that you've experienced the compassion, the love of God the Father in your life and would like to share that, please give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Encourage and inspire one another. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, it's just I'm I'm kind of caught up with that that last image, and uh, what a wonderful thing! And what it brings to mind for me, Father, almost immediately is, of course, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, you want to go into that a little bit about unpacking what we learn about the love of God the Father through the parable of the prodigal son? Oh, that'd be beautiful. I I think it's uh, it's difficult not to talk about that passage in connection right. to to <laughs> the love of the Father. Um, you know, we, we sort of call it the, the, the story of the prodigal son, um, but in many ways it is the story of the father. You know, he is a father who loves both of his sons, and yet both of his sons have misunderstood his true love for them. Uh, you know, as you sort of think about um, the son coming to him, the prodigal son coming to him, and sort of saying, I want half of the inheritance, that's a way of sort of saying, I wish you were dead. Give me yeah, what was yeah. mine when you die. And how does the father respond to that? He doesn't respond with anger, with lashing out. He, he actually, out of love for his son, gives him what he has asked for. And um, it's just a fascinating thought, right, is that um, Jesus is telling us this story to illustrate the love of the father. And you see the son, of course, reject him. You see the son uh, who uh, goes and spends all of that and, and comes. And, and how the father 
is ready to, like, when he's still far off, runs out to greet him. That, that tells us that the father is sort of watching the door, right? He is day in and day out looking for the return of his son, hoping and longing for the return of his son. That tells us a lot about the father as well, that the father is sort of keeping a watch out and looking for us. And, and he, even while we're a long way off, runs out to greet us. And uh, of course, there's repentance involved, um, but even then, it's like the son's trying to say his little spiel, and the father's yeah. like, "Yes, okay, you, you know, you're repenting, wonderful, but he's more interested in restoring the identity of his son. He puts the ring on his finger, he puts the the robe on his shoulders. Um, he wants to restore his son to his rightful place, his identity, right? To know that he is beloved, that to know he's a beloved son." Um, and to sort of bring him back into his home, to his house, like he wants his sons with him at the house. And so you can see, again, the love of the father in that action uh, that is such a, a powerful one. And then when you sort of turn your attention to the other son, um, he's also misunderstood the love of the father. Like his brother asked for the inheritance and it's given to him. And so he's resentful of all of this. But he doesn't realize his father loves him just as much and that all he needed to do is sort of ask and his father would have given it to him out of love. He says, you know, um, you know, he, the sons, you haven't even given me, you know, uh, a small lamb to eat, but you've given him the, the fattened calf. Um, and the father says, do you not know that everything that I have is yours, right? Um, the son didn't understand the true love of the heart of the father, which is one that is everything that is mine is yours. You know, that, and that's, again, um, so such an illustrative thing is that, uh, as children, we often underestimate the love our parents have for us. We take it for granted. We sort of uh, think that it's not um, as powerful as it is or because um, our parents are imperfect most of the time, uh, that they don't really love us or something like that. Um, but the the heart of the father is revealed in this passage as one that is is completely desiring to share everything with his sons. He wants to ha- share life with them, wants to rejoice in their life, wants them to be part of his life, live in the home. Um, and he wants to, to, to affirm who they are as his sons uh, unreservedly. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's quite a bit to learn there. And I, I don't know if uh, – would you, would you add anything to that? Well, uh, I, I have a follow-up. I would certainly say I think you're, <laughs> I think you're right on with that. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Father, for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I have long identified with the elder son in this passage, and I'm guessing that a number of our listeners have as well. That I mean, perhaps in early life, yes, I was more of the uh, the younger the younger brother, and uh, needed to needed to have that conversion, that turning back to the Lord, coming back and having my identity restored. All these great things that you're talking about, but you know, trying to live the life of a disciple, um, it can seem like. And, and I hear, I read the passage, I feel some of that conviction that comes on when I read the account of the elder brother. Um, so any practicals in terms of just spiritual direction now, any practicals that you would recommend for those of us who identify so well with the elder brother and saying, look, I'm towing the line here and it seems like I'm getting nothing. So what would you say to that, Father? Well, um, I think there's a better spiritual director than I uh, who can speak to this. And I think that's uh, Father Henry Nowen. Um, mm. You know, he has a wonderful work on the prodigal son, uh, the return of the prodigal son. And he kind of goes through the painting of Rembrandt, and he sort of um, prays through uh, essentially this whole uh, this whole gospel passage. And he wrote a little book about it, sharing his experience. And he talks about that experience of being the older son. Um, so I find I found that very fruitful for me in my own experience of sort of uh, processing that aspect of myself, where I hold myself apart. 
Um, but very practically, I, I think the key, if you are experiencing sort of what the older son is experiencing, is surrender. Um, you know, it's that place of humility. It's often the pride or, or the presumption that holds us apart. And um, I, I know it's not a, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy to sort of take that and go and kneel before the cross of Jesus Christ and say, um, looking at Jesus, Father, tell me how much you love me. Make that love real for me. Um, and simply recognize that, um, you know, it's something that the Lord has to do, right? It's not something we sort of do. We figure it out. We solve our problem. We heal ourselves. No, we need a Savior, right? And we need Jesus to reveal to us the love of the Father, to, to realize that uh, we are chosen, and that even though we've sort of been doing it our whole lives, and it seems to us like maybe, um, you know, God loves us more than he loves the person who's a convert, who's come back to the faith after many years or something like that, and they have all this joy, and they, they seem to be seeing the faith in a way that we haven't. Um, well, part of it is just not holding yourself apart. It's it's entering into the home of the Father and humbling yourself and saying, God, I can't. You can. You are the Father. I am the Son. Uh, tell me how much you love me. Make that love real for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Father. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's an ongoing t- uh, task, certainly. I would think for most of us who identify with that elder son, but uh, but there is, I think, right. I in my own life, I've seen fruit in in doing exactly what you said and surrendering more and just saying, you know what, this is this is my father's deal. It's not it's not mine, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, as Saint John the Twenty Third has been famously said, right? Well, it's your church, Lord. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so, I love it. Well, very good. Again, our spiritual director today is Father Craig DeYoung as he's leading us through just some some great reflections on the fatherhood of God, how God loves us as a father. And if you have particular uh, ways that you have encountered or experienced the fatherhood of God in your own life and you'd like to share those with others, remember our phone number is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149 or send us an email in our life at relevantradio.com. Got some, some more things to talk about here about God's fatherhood, but we're going to take another short break. We'll be back right after this. Today, we'd like to thank Pamela, who is listening in Wisconsin, for donating her 2013 Cadillac Escalade. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting RelevantRadio.com car. That's RelevantRadio.com car. Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, as well as Thomas Angus for taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, pastor of St. Louis King of France Parish in Austin, Texas, as we're talking about the love of God the Father. How have you experienced the love of the Father in your life? Are there ways that you'd like to place yourself in the loving hands of your Heavenly Father? If so, give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. You know, uh, Father, I started off uh, with kind of a reflection on my own relationship with my earthly father, and uh, I thought, well, maybe I'd just ask you, how how is your relationship with your earthly father? Any stories to tell there? 
Uh, yes, absolutely. I, you know, I, it's kind of funny. He's probably going to listen to this later. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, he's, he's a, he is a loving father and uh, he's never had any trouble telling us that, uh, he loves us. And, um, he's always really in his own integrity, tried to set a good example for, for me and my family. And I believe he's, he's done well at that. Um, you know, also he hasn't always been perfect at those things. Uh, but I do remember a particular story that really sticks out to me is that when I was a, a kid, my family is originally from Michigan. So just across the lake from y'all uh, in Wisconsin. Um, yep. But uh, we were out in my grandfather's cabin and uh, it was snowing. And my brother and I went out exploring and it's on the backs up to a state park that is thousands of acres. And so you can really go out there and get lost. And in fact, we did. Um, go out and get lost. Uh -oh. My brother and I were out there in the snow and our feet are getting cold. And it's, uh, you know, uh, we imagine ourselves getting frostbite. And I'm, I must be maybe 10 years old, maybe younger than that, even. And my brother's uh, maybe about 11 or 12. And so we get really lost and um, we start trying to find our way back. We confuse ourselves even more. Now we're panicking, we're yelling and we're shouting. And um, you know, I, I wouldn't say maybe I was crying or maybe not. I won't tell you actually, okay. um, but <laughs> you know, and then, um, my, my dad hears us and, uh, we're probably only a hundred feet from the house ultimately. <laughs> and he, uh, he comes out and, uh, he sort of is sitting under a tree as we walk out with just his feet sticking out and, uh, he comes and gets us and brings us back. And I just remember that being a beautiful thing. Like he was always sort of savvy in the woods and, and understood, you know, um, kind of how to be outdoors. And, and, uh, he, he enjoyed sort of that moment of coming and finding us. And I remember feeling found by him. And uh, that felt really good. And so that was a, one of my favorite memories from, from that time of my life. Feeling found by him. Wow. I love that turn of phrase, too. Yes. Right. Feeling found by him. I mean, you literally were, so that, that helps. But we all have been by our, by our Heavenly Father as well, right? And, and uh, that's one of the things that we can take right from that parable of the prodigal son. You know, we had to rejoice because what was once lost now is found. Yeah, uh, and then it also draws back draws me back to what you the reflections you were giving Father on the baptism of Jesus, saying that the the Father is so generous with His Son Jesus uh, as He pours out the Holy Spirit upon Him, giving Him everything that He needs um, in through this intimate connection, pouring out His power so that um, He can live out, so that Jesus can live out His mission, and I assume He does the same thing with each one of us, yeah. Right. Yes. He equips us for uh, what the ways that he, he calls us to love as he has loved us. Um, we receive that anointing through baptism. We receive the very same Holy Spirit. And I would point out that in anointing Jesus, he doesn't take away all of the um, difficulties he will face or experience, but he equips them to face them with, uh, with love, right? With that faith, with that hope. Um, and that's what he gives gives us the Holy Spirit that in the midst of the challenges we will face, um, that he, he equips us for it through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, through um, that power of God at work in us. Mm -hmm. And I think in my own sort of priesthood, and maybe you're, you're alluding to this already, is that, um, you know, for some of us, if we haven't been fathered, it's difficult to father others. Mm -hmm. And yet God the Father uh, desires to to be our father and he can teach us how to be good fathers to others he's taught me through many experiences and through that holy spirit how to be a better spiritual father still working on that um but if you're a father out there 
and you are like, man, I don't know. I want to be a better father. How do I do that? Well, you've been given every gift by God and the Holy Spirit and to really lean into the Holy Spirit uh, to give you the courage that you need uh, to be just, to be prudent, um, you know, to be temperate in your own passions and desires, all for the sake of being able to be loving uh, towards your sons and daughters. Yeah. Uh, it's great, great advice as well, and I'm sure that we have fathers who are listening as well. And there's a, and spiritual fathers, earthly fathers, uh, godfathers, adopted fathers, stepfathers. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of us can take our cues from our heavenly Father and the great love that He has for each of us. And speaking of love, Father, and and just tying back in with the whole discipline aspect, I think one of the one of the things that people can accuse God of is changing the way that He loves, particularly between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Any comments on that? Has God changed the way He loves? I, I think no. Um, God is unchanging in right. in His love. I think uh, sometimes there's this maybe false understanding of the Old Testament that it's only filled with wrath and punishment and these sorts of things. Uh, where the truth is that the Old Testament is filled with many examples of God's merciful love. Now he's very clear about the consequences um, of that, and that's often what we're sort of looking at when we talk about God of the Old Testament. But there's incredible instances of God being very merciful and forgiving and taking his people back after failure, after failure, after failure. Um, you know, I think the the, the uh, prophet Hosea is a pretty good example of this, that Israel's sort of described as an, an adulterous woman, and uh, the prophet Hosea is meant to take her as a wife to illustrate God's relationship with, uh, with Israel. And yet um, he continually takes uh, us back and loves us. And so I think, I think that's one thing is there's lots of things in the Old Testament that reveal God's love. The Song of Songs is another great example of, mm, of sort of that right. romantic uh, sort of uh, reading that illustrates the love that the Father has and sort of a divine romance with, with us and with his church, Jesus and his church. Um, but then also the New Testament is also misunderstood because Jesus uh, talks about um, hell and the consequences of sin and judgment, probably more than any other figure in the entire Bible. Um, and so Jesus is loving, but he also is very clear about the consequences of breaking relationship with God and, and sin that's there. And so I think um, that's one reason why people might think that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, is I think sometimes we're a little bit mistaken. Uh, the second thing is because, you know, just like that child and as a young age understands their fathers differently. So in salvation history, the people of, of God are coming to know God more deeply as they mature. We don't get that full revelation of the heart of the father until Jesus is incarnation. And so we come to know him more deeply, more fully. And he's both and. So the things we experience in the Old Testament, God is that. And we see him more clearly in what is revealed in the New Testament. And so that is uh, as another thing to keep in mind as we read these uh, sort of two testaments to God, to the one God who is unchanging. And maybe as we get into the final minutes of the program, Father, maybe that's a, a good place for us to focus our attention is what the, the revelation in Jesus of God the Father. And now we know that these are two divine persons, right? The, God, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and yet... Jesus himself reveals the love of the Father to us. What any particular ways that we can look at the person of Jesus um, in the scriptures and the tradition of the church and the liturgies and see the love of the Father? Any tips that you would give that way? Well, um, I, I think uh, directly, but also I, I think it becomes very concrete, is that we are called to be one with Jesus, right? To take his life as our own. 
this is really what Jesus is doing is that uh, we're meant to sort of fall in love with him and love makes us one. And, and, you know, this wedding between Jesus and his church, we become one flesh. We even share his body and his blood. Um, what that means is that we begin to relate to God as father, um, yeah. that we actually step into the person of Jesus Christ, that we enter into his life and he enters into us. And, and we're being slowly conformed and transformed to be able uh, really to call God father and um, so it's it's in a lot of ways it's about about being closer to Jesus and sharing life with Him and doing so through prayer and through sacraments and through the scriptures and and the life of the faithful the community of the church, um, and then really continuing to persevere in that love so that we're purified by choosing to love and die to ourselves, uh, doing good and avoiding evil and doing the works of mercy. Uh, we we begin to see the Father. We begin to see Him more fully. Um, and so it's by living Jesus's life that we actually come to see more clearly the Father who loves us. Like it's it's actually by being closer to Jesus in the life of the church that we come to have that clarity that that the heart of the Father is revealed to us uh, by living that life. Um, so I, I think that's really that's really the key to it. And and it seems maybe a little abstract, but it's very practical. And and, and you know, love one another as I have loved you. Experience the love of Christ. And then in being loved by Christ, choose to love others as he has loved you. In doing that, the Father's love for you will become clearer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that seems to me to be the uh, the, the sticking point maybe in all of this, is that uh, the Father is, he can't do anything but love it, that he is, he is loving all the time. It's just our understanding of it, our perception of it, our ability to grasp it or to realize it in our own lives. That's what sometimes falters, Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, right. And I'm just thinking too of the the greeting, the opening of the mass, too. You know, that we're oftentimes used by our by our priests, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That these are not separate things, like you were just saying. That there is there is a connection there uh, between all three of them. That there is uh, it's not that the three are are independent one of another. That's what I hear you saying, Father. Yes. So as you enter to share the life of Jesus, you come to see the love of the Father, but you're filled then with that love in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, um, it is, you know, it's, it is one God, three persons, and that internal exchange of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what we're invited into. Yeah. And so by entering into it via Jesus, through Jesus, we begin to live that life and we begin to see God, which is what heaven will be like for eternity, that we'll come uh, to see the Lord in that way, to see God, the Trinity, and then share that life for eternity uh, with him and with one another in the communion of saints. And that's, um, that's, 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 that's everything, right? Yeah. That's what we're all hoping for. Amen. Let it be so. Well, Father, we thank you so much for the uh, the gift that you have uh, shared with us today and helping us to encounter the love of the Father and to understand it more deeply. May we have a blessing from you, please, as we close. Heavenly Father, as you look upon your sons and daughters with great love, send your Holy Spirit upon them that they may be one with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask you then to bless all those who are listening and will hear this show in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Craig DeYoung has been our spiritual director today, talking to us about the love of God the Father. If you missed any part of it or would like to share it, head over to our show page, relevantradio.com slash innerlife, where you can listen and share the program with others there who need to know the love of the Father. I'd like to dedicate this show to my father and the relationship that we have had and the way that he's revealed the love of God to me as well. Thanks for tuning in. 
On Monday, we're going to talk about greed with Father Jim Goins. Hope you can join us for that. Have a great weekend. Until next time, grace and peace.